0: What is up city fam? Glad you guys are here. This is our last week of this series we've been in called yoked and in the series we've been talking about just unhealthy attachments that we can have as Christ followers uh, to, to people and habits and systems that are holding us back in our relationship with God and maybe even ruining our lives. We've been looking at the scripture And helping us to to see what we need to avoid and how we need to to walk away from some of these attachments. Because we know that these wrong uh, alignments and attachments, they take us further than we ever wanted to go. They keep us longer than we wanted to stay. That's kind of the nature of sin, right? It costs you more than you think it's going to. Uh, In fact... In order to, to experience God's best in our life, and I hope as a, as a believer, as somebody that would call yourself a Christian if you're a Jesus follower, I hope it's your desire to have God's best in your life, like to do things God's way. And if we're gonna experience God's best in our life, we have to do things God's way. But you can't have it both ways. And so we're gonna talk about something today that, in my opinion, it's kind of one of the biggest issues in church today and among Christians today I'm calling it out with the old in with the new out with the old in with the new and just that title gets me all fired up because I'm someone that loves to throw things away it's just therapeutic like to to purge yourself of junk that you don't need right anybody else in here raise a hand like you love throwing stuff away okay of, of you people how many of you are married to someone who does not love to throw things away that, that's how God does it for some reason, right? One of them wants to keep everything. The other one, that brings balance into our life. You're either a hoarder or you just throw all the important things away. There's no, uh, there's no in between. But this, this causes me some problems in, in my, my household. We, we like to play a game sometimes when it's time to clean things out called keep, toss, or donate. But if I was in charge, it would just be toss, toss, or toss. You know, like my, my motto is when in doubt, throw it out, right? We don't need it. And this causes me some issues. One recent example, it's been probably a couple of years ago, uh, Jennifer for Halloween wanted to, you remember the leg lamp from Christmas story? Like we bought this uh, lampshade and she made it into this skirt and it was really funny and it, it worked well and then it sat in our garage and it sat and it sat for a whole year, It's covered in just cobwebs and dirt and stuff. And so of course I threw it away. Then what happened? She's like, where's that, uh, where's that lampshade skirt, you know? And so I got to make her a new one. That's just how it works around her house. Um, but anyway, today we're talking about something that I think as, as believers, we can very easily become yoked to that we need to get rid of for good. We need to throw it out. So we're gonna be starting in the book of Romans. You're probably familiar with with Romans. It's a letter to the church in Rome that was written by Paul. And he's addressing believers there because there's some tension in this church. This is kind of a big deal because this, this church in Rome was probably started by Jewish people, right? That had converted to Christianity who had recognized the Messiah that had come, put their faith in Jesus, and now they're Christians. And then you had also Gentile people, Gentiles, is just the church word for non-Jewish. We are all Gentiles, like Gentile people that, that come to faith and join the church. So you have these two different groups in the same uh, church. It, it doesn't seem like a big deal to us, but it was a huge deal to them because they had very little in common. These Jewish people, they were very well versed in the law. I mean, they had grown up in it. They would memorized all the things. They, they knew all about the old covenant and the Old Testament and the prophets and all the prophecies of the Messiah to come and all of this stuff. The Gentile Christians knew nothing of any of that. I mean, all they knew was that some guy named Jesus had claimed to be God and died and rose from the dead. And they started following and they put their faith in him. And they, they had some, some writings, right, from like this from Paul and from some others. And that was it. And what happened was the Jewish Christians kind of started to co-mingle the, the Jewish traditions and customs with this new way of Jesus following. And they were trying to tell the Gentile people, no, 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 it's got to look this way, right? It's kind of a, a religious approach to their new faith. And so Paul's writing to them to kind of encourage both groups to find some common ground, right? And to be united under this, this, in this new era of Jesus following. So we're going to be in Romans chapter 7. If you got your Bible, if not, it's going to be on the screen. Best way, as always, is on our app. You can open up message notes and all the scriptures are there. All the points are there. You can do some fill-in-the-blank stuff. Uh, it's a fun way to stay involved. All right. Let's get rolling. Romans chapter 7, verse 5 and 6. Paul writes... When we were controlled by our old nature, sinful desires were at work within us. Just a quick little pause. He's talking about here as, as believers, right? We, we have the spirit of God in us, but we were also born sinful. So we have this sin nature that we, we all have. Like we were prone to sin. We have a sinful nature. Now we have the spirit of God that's living in us. And we have these two sides in us that are kind of a, at war with each other. So the sinful desires were at work within us. And the law aroused these evil desires that produced a harvest of sinful deeds resulting in death. But now we have been released from the law for we died to it and are no longer captive to its power. Now we can serve God, not in the old way of obeying the letter of the law, but in the new way of living in the spirit. So he's talking here to the, these Jewish Christians. He's like, listen, that was the old, this is, this is something new. We, we don't follow God, we're not made right with God, we don't you know, follow him in our, our everyday lives by obeying the letter of the law. Those days are gone, they're past. Now the new way is, the, is, is living in the spirit. This is all we're gonna be talking about today, the law and the spirit. What is the law? You, you, you've heard of the 10 commandments, obviously you have Moses who went up to Mount Sinai and God gave him the 10 commandments, but it wasn't just 10. I don't know if you knew that or not. It wasn't just Ten Commandments. There were 600-plus other rules and regulations that the Jewish people had to to follow. Uh, If you read through Exodus and Deuteronomy, it's like God's kind of laying out this picture for for their lives, what they should look like, Um, because God is a holy God, and he wants a relationship with his people that are very sinful, so he has to lay out kind of the rules and in that kind of a sacrificial system because he knew they were going to screw it up. It wasn't like he gave them the rules and they're like, all right, God, we got it. We're good now. He's like, no, you're definitely not good. You're going to fail miserably. And they did just like we do consistently, constantly We're failing. So he set up this sacrificial system. So if you read through the book of of Leviticus, he sets up this system as a way of these Israelite people to be made right with God, even though they were sinning. So when they would sin, something that they owned had to die. An animal had to die. Different sins called for different sacrifices. Something pure had to be sacrificed for these sinful people to to kind of repair their relationship with God, to be be made right with him again. So you might be saying, like, why are we even talking about this, (laughs) right? I don't think a lot of us struggle with trying to adhere to the Jewish customs in our everyday life, but... What we're talking about here is that, that religious spirit, right? It's, it's religion. It's something that we all can tend to kind of slide into. We love religion. We love it. It's our, it's our default. And I I think there's two main ways as I was thinking through all this, there's two main ways I, I see that, that we kind of miss it. And we take what it means to be a Jesus follower and kind of twist it into something different. The first one I would call like you're your kind of old school Christians. You know, they grew up in church. They were there every time the doors were open. Uh, they they knew all the right answers in Sunday school. They grew up and had kids. They got all their kids in, in church. And they're there every time the doors were open. And again, they still know all the right Sunday school answers. They've got it all together seemingly. They don't really make any big mistakes. They like to keep up appearances. They've got all the head knowledge, but no heart. Like they're, they're, they're spiritually dead inside. There's no life. There's no uh, rich, vibrant relationship with Jesus. There's no real fruit in their lives as they follow Jesus. And their lives might be falling apart. Their marriage might be hanging on by a thread. They might have secret addictions they're, they're dealing with, but they keep it all covered up and they slap on that mask and they walk into church and they pretend like everything's okay and nothing ever changes. Jesus went pretty hard after these kind of people cuz to me that sounds a lot like the Pharisees. Jesus called them whitewashed tombs. <laughs> and beautiful on the outside, all polished up, right, but dead on the inside. We probably you probably have, have friends like, the, I don't know if you play golf, right? But I, I play golf. And there's always that one guy in, in the foursome, you're going to go play some golf or whatever. And he's, he's decked out in all the nicest stuff. You know, he's got the best golf shirts and the, the right spikes and the newest clubs. He's got the most recent awesome driver. And he just looks, he looks like, man, that guy must be amazing at golf. And then he, he can't hit the ball to save his life. You got a friend like that? Like, I've got a, I've got a friend like that. Or, or maybe you ski, like you snow ski or you, you snowboard and you've got that dude that, again, all the fanciest stuff just looks like he's probably gonna you know, do flips off the, the ramps and stuff. And then he's the guy taking out all the kids trying to get off, off of the, the, the lift at the bunny slope, you know? Like, like outward appearance is worthless. It means absolutely nothing. And Jesus makes this point quite a few times. It doesn't matter what's on the outside. What matters is on the inside. He looks at our heart. And that pharisaical kind of religious bent that we have is the opposite. It only worries about outward appearance and the the inside is just just dead. And the the second group, I think, the second way we kind of miss it, this is what I would call the the cultural Christians, cultural Christianity. These are people that want the the benefits of being a Christian, you know, like going to heaven, uh, but they don't want any of the responsibility if you look at the, the first century Christians, it, it looks a lot different back then being a Christian than it does today in America. <laughs> I mean, being a Christian in those days was countercultural. Like, they were hunted. They were in prison. They were beaten. They were killed. They were thrown in with lions at the Roman Coliseum. Torn apart. I mean, to be a Christian in those days, you had to be willing to give up everything for Jesus maybe even your own life there there are places in the world today where this same thing happens but not here not here today you're almost expected to be a Christian especially in our part of the country I'm a Christian you're a Christian we're all Christians right we live in a Christian country whatever that means And I feel like it's completely watered down and kind of screwed up what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Even Richard Dawkins, right, the renowned atheist and author, he has several times identified himself as a cultural Christian because he recognizes the benefits that Christian morality brings to the country, but he doesn't even believe in God. And I think there are tons of of people like this, maybe even filling our, our churches that think that they're, they're good with God when they're actually not. And Jesus warns in the, in the last day, as people stand before him, uh, the day of judgment, and people are gonna stand before God and say, God, it's me, you know, <laughs> like we're, we're good. I've been in church, I've done all this stuff, I've even prophesied in your name. And he's gonna say, depart from me, I don't know you. Jesus speaks to this kind of person as, as well in Revelations 3 he's given some warnings to some different churches. And this particular one is the church of Laodicea. They've kind of fallen into this watered down version of following Jesus and he calls them lukewarm. One theologian I was reading calls it tepid indifference. And it was offensive to Jesus, even repulsive to him. He says, I'm gonna spew you out of my mouth. He said, be hot, be cold, don't be lukewarm. I'm going to throw you up. See, neither of these versions of Christianity, neither of them are the life that Jesus died to give us. One, one comforting thought is, I don't know if you've, you've noticed this, but something I've noticed in our culture today is that young people, youth, you know, like your kids or grandkids, or maybe some of you, some of you are even in this room, young people are getting sick and tired of, of this kind of like watered down, uh, hypocritical religious thing that they've been a part of their whole lives. So like they're, they're craving something real and true and pure and it's my prayer that we'll want the same thing. I mean, why would we want to be all about the law, you know, or, or playing these religious games when there's so much more of him to be had? It's, it's, it's religion. That was, that was the old, old way, the old covenant. We live in the new covenant. It's a, it's a new day, right? A new, new era, and Paul is, is telling the Christians in this Roman church, these Jewish Christians, like, listen, the old is gone. It's, it's not about the rule keeping and the, the religious activity. It's, it's about a relationship with Jesus through his spirit. Jesus came to fulfill the old covenant once and for all, right? The sacrificial system, you remember? Jesus came to be that perfect spotless lamb that was sacrificed for the sins of all of mankind once and for all you can't be saved by just keeping the rules by keeping the law why because nobody can do it perfectly God is perfect he's perfect in every way if we want a relationship with him it's not going to happen by doing all the right things obeying all the right laws working that outward behaviors in it was never meant to be a means of salvation but what the old covenant does though What it does for us, what it did for them in that that first century church, it shows us our need for the new covenant. It shows us our need for for Jesus. God's perfect standard should make us realize that we are hopeless to please him without Jesus. We we can't do it on our own. (laughs) The the law brings us to the end of ourselves where we're like, okay, I, I I can't do it. It's like a mirror, it shows us our sin. If you back up to chapter three, Romans, uh, Romans three, Paul says it this way. He said, obviously the law applies to those to whom it was given. For its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show that the entire world is guilty before God. Did you know? You're part of the entire world. <laughs> The entire world is guilty before God for no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. It doesn't get any more plain than that. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. It shows us who we are. It shows us our sin. It's it's like a mirror. One translation says it this way, it silences us. It shuts our mouths like we have no excuse. We can't boast and think we're all good because we, we all fall short. That's what he goes on to say in verse 23. He says, we've all sinned. We've all fallen fallen short of his glorious standard, again, which is perfection. But because God is so gracious, he made a way. He makes us right in his sight through faith in his son, Jesus, who died for the penalty of our sins. We're made right and acceptable through faith in Jesus. Nothing else. Nothing else. Jesus that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the father except through him. So we've been talking about the city seven. We've been introducing these every week. Uh, And this week happens to be number four. And it's exactly what we're talking about today. It says, can a person be good enough to go to heaven? No, (laughs) because Jesus rose from the dead, proving he is God. I believe a person is saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. Grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone. That's it. There's no other way to, to earn your way back to God. There's no, there's no other kind of magic trick to, to, to be played. It's all through faith in Jesus. Faith in Jesus alone. Then he reiterates in verse 28, he says, we're made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. Again, it's, it's not about the things we do. It's not about religious activity. It's about fixing what's broken through, through what Jesus did for us on the cross. A few years ago, my son, Xander, he's 11 now, but he was five at the time and he had a little accident and he broke his arm. I am going to show you a sad picture. Look at that. It was an awful day. So he was swinging in the backyard and he kept telling my wife Jennifer to push me higher, 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 right? And he gets to like the very top. He jumps out of the swing because he's crazy. And he lands on his arm I and mean, he completely snaps both bones in his forearm. It, it was really bad. It, it was crooked. It was, it was not good. So we take him to the emergency room and they x-ray it and they show us the break. And the doctor comes in and, and do you know what he doesn't say? He, he doesn't say... All right, well, come, you know, we'll, we'll x-ray it three or four more times and then he should be good. Right? Because all the x rays doing is showing you what's broken. They've got to go about healing the bone. They've got to, they had to reset it. They had to wrap it up. They had to put a cast on it. See, x-rays don't fix the, the brokenness. There's no healing there. That's what the law does in us. It just exposes in us what is broken. There's, there's no healing in it. We can only be fixed through Jesus. He, he's one that brings the ultimate spiritual healing to what's broken in our lives. I don't know where you're at today. I don't know if you have a relationship with God. I, I don't know if you find yourselves in one of the other two groups that we were talking about earlier. Maybe you've just kind of slid off course. Maybe you've just kind of been dried up in your relationship with God. Or maybe you, you know today you don't have a relationship with him. If you're, if you're being honest, you don't have a relationship with God. There's no evidence in your life of that. You, maybe you're, you have a, a little bit of a uncertainty when it comes to where you're going to spend eternity, where you stand before God. You, you don't have to leave here with that same uncertainty. God loved you so much, wanted a relationship with you so much that he sent his son to die for you, right in the middle of your mess, right in the middle of your sin. And all you've got to do is take that, take that gift. He's offering you that free gift of salvation. All you've got to do is reach out. And take it, put your faith not in your own ability to be made right with God or your own performance or striving or whatever else. Put your faith in what Jesus did for you on the cross. And the best you know how, you're, you're committing your life to Jesus. You're bowing the knee to him, making him Lord of your life. If you're making that decision today, I ask you to let us know about it on our Connect Forum on the app. We'd love to help you grow in that relationship. Because that's what Jesus died to give us. Life, right? Not just eternal life, but life here on earth. Life through his Holy Spirit that's now inside of us. Jeremiah. There's an Old Testament book called Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet and a priest in the the southern kingdom of Judah. And the book of Jeremiah is just prophecies. God giving him a word for his people, the Israelites. This was hundreds of years before Jesus And in in Jeremiah chapter 33 or 31, he's he's warning the people of God that they're they're breaking his covenant, like they're really royally messing it up. They're they're serving other gods, they're worshiping other idols, and and God's telling them, Listen, this is gonna lead ultimately to your, your destruction. But then he gives them the good news. He he looks into the future, he's prophesying here about the coming of the Messiah and something new that God was gonna create, his ultimate plan for redemption. In chapter 31, verse 33, God says, but this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. See, the old covenant was written on stone tablets, and he's saying this new thing I'm doing, it's going to be different. I'm gonna write my instructions on your heart. My spirit is gonna be inside of you. We're 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 gonna have a relationship with each other, not from a distance, not through sacrifices, not through a priest, but me and you. A personal, intimate relationship between God and man. And then several decades later, through the prophet Ezekiel in chapter 36, he, he says more of the same thing, looking forward to Jesus. I will give you a new heart. I'll put a new spirit in you. I'll take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. And I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. He's saying, it's not about this outward performance of trying to keep all the rules. He's saying, I'm, I'm gonna take out that stubborn heart of stone. Taking out your hard heart, I'm gonna give you a, a tender, responsive heart that listens to my spirit within you, that enables you to, to do the will of the Father, to obey what God is saying to do. It's, a, it's an inward motivation that comes from the Holy Spirit that lives in us. He's saying, I'm going to give you a new heart, a new spirit, my law written on your heart, God's spirit in us, convicting us of sin and, and giving us direction for our life and then giving us the power to carry it out. That's the new way, life in the, in the spirit not the law. See, the law brings condemnation and the spirit brings conviction. Clayton talked a little bit about this last week. Condemnation and conviction are very, very different things. Condemnation says, you know that thing that you did, that really, really bad thing and all those other things, like that's who you are. That's your identity. And it leads to condemnation, shame. It leads to death. But conviction through the Holy Spirit It says, hey, you know that thing that you did and all those other things, because we still mess up, right? All those things, that's not who you are. You you stand before God, righteous, holy, without a single fault because of what Jesus did for us, forgiving our sins, past, present, future. And that conviction brings us not condemnation and shame and all this stuff, but it it makes us turn to God. It brings, pushes us back to Jesus. The law condemns. So to review, as Christians today, we don't need the law to save us or make us in good standing with God because Jesus did that. We don't need the law to guide our behaviors. Thou shalt not, right? We don't need that because we have the spirit of God in us to do that. We can't be made right with God And we can't sustain living for him by keeping the law. The old way is follow the rules, right? One, two, three, A, B, C. Do more of these things. Do less of these things. And that equals being a a faithful Christian, right? That's that's how we contend to look at it. But the new way of living in the spirit isn't one, two, three. It's, It's follow me. It's Jesus saying, follow me. Take up your cross, follow me. It's, it's not the, the, the law. What the law creates in us, what this religious spirit creates in us is this outward pressure to do all the right things, which ultimately we don't do, right? We screw it up and we feel guilty and, and, and ashamed. It's not about outward pressure. It's about this inward motivation from the Holy Spirit to do what is right. Two completely different approaches. I want that. I want that in in my life. I I want to learn what it means to to hear the voice of God in my life and then do what he says. And it's my prayer that that you want it too. Paul gives us a a little bit of a a glimpse into what it means here to to walk by the Holy Spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 16, Paul, Paul writes, walk by the Spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. We just talked about this a while ago. You've got the spirit of God in you. You've got the sinful nature in you and they are at war with each other over every decision, every thought that you make. They're at war with each other. They're they're opposed to each other to keep you from doing the good things you wanna do. You wanna do good things, but you can't because you're you're broken. He's saying walk by the spirit. Not, not behavior modification, we'll walk by the spirit. He uses this term in the Greek walk here that, that's in the present tense. So it's indicating like he's saying this is an ongoing, continuous day by day action, like a, a habitual thing, a way of life, walking by the spirit. And it's not it's not a suggestion here. The the verb is the verb is, is like imperative. Like he's giving them a command. He's saying, listen, if you want to follow Jesus, if you really want to be a Christian, a Christ follower, this is how you do it. Like this is the only way. The only way to conquer our, our flesh is to yield to the spirit both in, in our, the direction we walk, right? Like having the Holy Spirit like guide our steps, guide our decision-making process, and then empowerment, right? Him empowering us to do the will of the Father. That's how it works. And it, he's implying like, like progress, like what happens when you walk? Well, you go from here to over there, right? Yeah, there's, there's movement, there's progress in your life. When you look at your life, your relationship with Jesus, is there progress? Are you growing? Are you here and just happy to be here or you're like, man I would really like to get there so I'm gonna I'm gonna walk with God I, I want to do things his way, not my way And then step by step as the Spirit leads us he, he leads us into the life that he has for us his plans, his purposes for you. He's got a plan for your life so much bigger than you think so much bigger than you could ever imagine. His plans for you are just better than yours. He knows what's coming around the corner. He knows the things you're about to walk straight into. And the Holy Spirit is there to to lead us and guide us and comfort us. When life gets difficult, when we need answers, when we're hurting, that's what life in the spirit is, not dead spiritual duty, right? Not casual, apathetic lip service. That's not the life we were meant for. The new way of the spirit is life and freedom. The old way of the law is death and condemnation. You ever try to go up an escalator that's going down? I can't be the only immature one in the room. You you ever try to go like, you know, those treadmill things in the airport, you ever try to go like the wrong way on one? (laughs) Like you don't get anywhere except tired and frustrated. Welcome to religion. That's what it produces in you. You're just tired, man. It's tired, it's tired of striving and striving and striving and never measuring up and working hard and failing. It's, it's a hamster wheel of failure. And it gets you nowhere. John MacArthur, he's a theologian. He, he says it this way. Although Bible study, prayer, worship, witnessing, and certain behavioral standards are commanded of believers and are essential to, to faithful Christian living, spirituality can't be measured by how often or how intensely we are involved in such things. So all this stuff is good, right? But you can't marry you can't you can't uh, uh, talk about your, your spiritual growth or spirituality when it comes to, to those things. You can't measure them up against that alone. He says to use them as measures of spirituality is to become entrapped in legalism, whose only significance is in the outward, the visible, the humanly measurable. To live solely by a set of laws is to live by the flesh and self-righteousness and hypocrisy and to suppress the spirit, who alone is able to inwardly to produce works of the true righteousness. Holiness only comes from the Holy Spirit. Holy living does not come from our performance for God, but from His performance through us by His own Spirit. Doing the will of the Father, like living a, a holy lifestyle, walking with Jesus, following Jesus, it doesn't come by keeping the rules, it, keeps, it comes by His Spirit working through us. So this is our, our big idea today. It's not about activity, it's about intimacy. It's not about all the religious activity and doing this and doing that and all the striving. It's about intimacy. It's about a relationship with Him. Another way to say it, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship. It's not about outward pressure. It's about the inward motivation. What are you living for today? Are you dead and dry inside? Are you part of that first group that's just keeping up the appearances and inside there there's just no life ask him today to fill you with this spirit to make a change or maybe you're one that's kind of watered down the, the gospel into just one decision and now i'm good man it's time to start walking with them like what are you what are you afraid of what are you holding back from him what are you What are you afraid to surrender to God? It's time to lay down ourselves, our our will, our way of life, bend the knee, and let's follow Jesus. One of the people in my life that exemplify this the best, this thing we're talking about today is uh, Lori Kovarubius. This is her, she was baptized here not long ago. And Lori had been through some things in her life. You know, she spent some time in prison. She found Jesus there. And since she got out, she's just been on fire for Jesus. I mean, on fire for him. God was doing some amazing things in her. And this past uh, January, she checked on her connect form that she wanted to lead a a city group. And so I met with her and man, she was just ready for God to use her. I I just wanna show people how great God is and how you know, what he's done in my life. And I want to, I want to disciple people and I want to be used in that way. And she was, man. I mean, it was like, she was, her group was amazing. She was always emailing me stories of stuff that was happening in her group. And then she kind of started feeling this tug to, to get into full-time ministry. She worked at McDonald's. She was a, uh, a manager there. And she just felt like God, man, I feel like God wants me to do ministry with my life, you know? She's been kind of wrestling with that. And then she tells me that she felt like God was leading her to take this four week vacation, <laughs> like a four weeks. And she's, she's like the, the first two weeks McDonald's is going to pay for it. And the other two weeks, God's just going to have to do it. Right. Cause I don't know, I don't know where he's going to take me or what's going to happen, but it, it wasn't so much of a vacation as it was a mission. It, it was a crusade. She's like, I'm just going to go where God tells me to go. And I'm going to say, where God, you know, say what God tells me to say. And we're just going to see what happens. And she was going to visit a couple of friends and then just, just see, right? And and that little crusade took her all over the state of Texas. God did some cool things. And she, she came back and, and and there's a few weeks ago, she caught me right over here outside this door. and was like, oh, Brandon, you, you won't believe what's happened. Like, I cannot wait to tell you all the stuff that God did. I don't have time right now, I don't have time right now, but we'll catch up, I, I, you're just gonna be blown away. And I was like, that, that's awesome, you know? Within a couple of days of that, she was diagnosed with COVID. Within a couple of weeks of that, she was on a ventilator. And then this past week, she passed away. And um, pastor Fred and I got to go into the room after she was gone and her family was there saying their goodbyes and we got to, to pray with them and tell them what Lori meant to us and meant to the, the church. And then at the funeral this past Monday, it was the longest funeral I've ever been to. I mean, it was two full hours of funeral, you know, it's like, and it wasn't just because Clayton shared the message cause he did, but it was short. Uh, it was because person after person after person got up and shared about Lori and her life and the impact that she had and how she, and it wasn't because she had a great personality and all. I mean, that's true, but it was because God had changed her. He was working through her. He, she was making her life all about him. And it left a mark on every single person in that room. I wanna read you halfway through her four week mission she sent me an email I want to read part of it to you she said Brandon it's scary and rewarding to share the grace of God and truth in Jesus mighty name it's been amazingly wonderful to see Jesus working and God just being true and faithful to his word it's also for myself of course because it's got me out of myself out of my box and feeling Jesus working in me Brandon, all I hear is the Holy Spirit keeps saying to me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. I'm so scared still because of that strong pull to leave my job and work for God. It's tugging at me even harder, even long before my trip. Although God has reassured me, I know who God is and that he will take care of me. I just struggle letting completely go like that. Anyways, Brandon. Continue to pray with me, please. I know without a shadow of doubt what God put on my heart and what he wants me to do. I just need clarity as to when. I'm scared. I don't wanna disobey. I don't wanna lean on my own understanding or jump into something before God says to, but when he gives me that green light, I will do as he says. no matter how scared I am or how hard it will be. Listen, do you wanna live a life of purpose? Do you wanna live a a fulfilling life of just filled with joy and peace that only comes from from God working in your life? Love, a life of significance like to make your mark on the earth? Do you wanna leave a legacy for your kids and your grandkids, like change your family tree? Do you want them to stand up when you're gone and say those kinds of things about you, that that you love God and you love people and you made an eternal mark on their lives? Then do what Lori did, like learn to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life and then do what it says. It doesn't have to be any more complicated than that. Galatians five, Paul says, He's truly set us free. Jesus did that for us. He set us free. So now make sure you stay free and don't get tied up again in slavery to the law. Don't make it about the law. Don't make it about religious duty. We we have a new life in the spirit. Freedom through the power of the spirit. Not controlled by our sinful nature, not controlled by our own thoughts and desires, but controlled by the, the spirit which brings us freedom in Christ. God doesn't want your achievements and all your good works and your religion. He doesn't want your church attendance or your lip service. He doesn't want your striving to be something he'll accept. You know, he just wants you. God's saying to you today, like, just give me your heart. Give me your heart. What are you afraid of? What are you waiting for? There's so much on the other side of that decision. We're going to sing a song called Available. And this is something I've learned at the funeral that day before Lori went on her four-week thing and she was kind of debating if she should do it or not. She was kind of nervous and she opened our daily devos on our app and we always attach a worship song for that week and this one was Available. And she, for her, God used that song to, to kind of cement this in her heart as a like confirmation to her, like this is the right thing. I need to go. And the song just talks about being available to God, like just saying yes, like yes. God, whatever whatever the question is, whatever you, you ask of me, I'm saying yes. One line says, broken as my life may be, God, I will give you every piece. So I pray as, as you, we sing this song, just let God work on your heart. Just ask him, what, what in this is for me? Are you asking something of me? Are you asking me to, to lay something down or to take steps in a certain direction? Like, what what, what am I to do with what I've heard today? And just, just let him kind of solidify that in your life. As you surrender to him, you say yes to God. Would you pray with me? God, we... We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for the truth of your word. We we thank you today for Lori, God. What an example of someone who is completely sold out to you, God. If if that's not what a faithful follower of Jesus looks like, I don't know what is. I I want that for me, and I want that for my friends here. God, do something new in us. So I, I pray that as we go through this week that. It wouldn't just, we wouldn't be living from Sunday to Sunday or even devotional to devotional, but God, you're you're commanding us as we walk by the spirit. It's, It's a daily, minute by minute, really, breath by breath exercise of surrender to you. God, listening for you, learning what it means, God, to hear your voice speak to us, growing in that, growing in our relationship with you, and then just doing what you ask us to do. God, there's no other life that we can live that's gonna be that fulfilling and that purposeful. And that impactful, that's what we want, God. We don't want to sit back and watch it all pass us by. God, speak to us as we worship. We love you. In your name, amen.